And you're back. And we're off. You're back. I am back. You are back. I'm like sleep deprived back. Did you ever listen to that Aerosmith song? Back in the saddle again? <laughs> no. I'm sure if I heard it. I'm sure if I heard it, I would. You know, I never really liked Aerosmith. Yeah, I was never that big of a fan. Yeah. What was the uh the movie where it was like the theme song was Aerosmith and it was like the meteors coming to hit planet Earth? Oh, um What was that song? We all know it. That's the thing about Aerosmith. Don't want to close that my one. <laughs> eyes or whatever. Yeah. 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 Good old Aerosmith. What was that movie? Um and they all have to like hop on it and like blow it up or something. I right. any like I just think of Independence Day. It's not Independence That's Day. That's right. It's from that era. Yep. And it kind of has a similar feel. It does. Yeah. The world's ending. Somebody's got to save the world. That's right. And Aerosmith saved the day. Yeah, and that time Aerosmith saved the day. It was a uh that one it was a meteor. That's Independence right. Day was the aliens. That's right. Yeah. Yep. With Will Smith. Uh no. Will Smith, who's in Independence Day? Yeah, I think Will Smith is. Is that Men in Black? I don't know. Well, he's also Men in Black, but he was in That's Independence right. Day because he was the yeah, he's okay. Anyway. That's right. Anyway, <laughs> hashtag like '90s movies. So, oh, sorry about that, guys. So, uh, so the biggest thing though is you got to tell tell everybody a little bit about about Baby Jeej. That's right. First and foremost, thank you everyone who has reached out and thoughts, prayers. It's it's almost been, you know, um, it's it's been a lot to respond to, which I'm so grateful for. I've had to learn. You know, I joked with Steph. I was starting to get annoyed before. Gianna was born with how many people would say like, Hey, enjoy your sleep while you got it. And like that, those type of comments (laughs) and I'm like, whatever, I'll be fine. Now I get it. Now I truly get it. My, I was thinking about this on my, uh, on the way in today, my shout out goes out to just all the moms realizing how much work is really solely on them. Like there's a lot that I want to help with, but Gianna cries because she's hungry and I am just helpless. Like I, what can I do? You know? Sure. Um, but it's been absolutely amazing. Gianna was born um, July 29th. We went in. She went, quick backstory. She went, uh, she was head down the whole pregnancy. And then we went in for our 40-week appointment. And last minute, she went breech. So she went uh, head up, which is a big no-no. no-no. And then, so we had planned for a possible C-section uh the following i guess like 20 48 hours later so two days later but in the morning and we were going to try this version thing where they like try to manually turn her and we showed up and she flipped back so she's head down and we're there at 6 a.m and we're like all right now let's try for a real pregnancy so we sat around for you mean a real childbirth a real child yeah real childbirth (laughs) um and real boy we (laughs) We sat around forever um, until about, you know, Steph started to kind of push, but we, we were starting to have some issues with our, the baby's heart rate. And uh, at about 11 p.m., Steph, so we were there all day just waiting. And um, we were trying to push. And then the doctor was like, nope, we're out. The heart rate dropped on us. So it was, it was pretty scary. We went to an emergency C-section. Steph was an absolute champ. She, uh, at one point, she was, she did end up getting an epidural and the doctor was like, we need you to flip over. And like Steph literally couldn't move her legs and somehow like the will of a mom, she physically jumped up on the bed. It was a crazy, the doctor was like, how, 
I was going to call for help. I don't know how you did that. But uh, um, we went in, did the emergency section. That was so intense. Um, but they ended up giving me a gown that was half my size. So I, nice. I, couldn't, I couldn't sit. Therefore, I had to watch the entire seat. Like I, I physically could not bend down without blowing the thing out. Right. And just watching that was nothing in the world I ever want to do. Right. To do. Of course not, yeah. But uh, Jonah was born healthy. She was born, actually, the issue was a super thin umbilical cord. So anytime she would lean on it, it would cut off her like lifeline. And oh, wow. it became pretty interesting. Um, so they got her out. Mom is recovering. Our house was a little bit of a disaster for the first two weeks. Right. With my recovery, mom can't really move and the baby. But now we're up and running and Gianna is just growing. She eats more than I could ever imagine, which good. is a great thing. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, healthy and she's just, it's, it's amazing. Talk about a whole new perspective on life once you hold that little one. I wonder if her flipping back and forth a couple of times is going to, is like a premonition of kind of what she's going to be like. <laughs> well, I hope athletically and not like, well, I know with Steph, it definitely won't be um, a, you know, an emotional thing. She'll be, she'll be pretty convicted as far as But that. I wonder but, if she's going to like, she'll go to college and she'll like go all the way. She's, she'll be like pre-med. That's right. And then last semester of college, she'll flip to... County attorney, yeah, totally. And then she come back. She's like, no, just kidding. We met again. Yeah, she definitely has already sent us into a uh, a tailspin of emotions, but um, yeah, and and she's just, it's just crazy. It literally is, and you're just always on edge. I was on the phone with a, a one of my old mentors, and he was like, "Yeah, well, you're not gonna have a good night's sleep for the next at least 21 years." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I probably get it." it makes I mean, sense. I get when people say stuff like that. But that's one of my pet peeves. Yeah. When you're like, why say that? That's right. Totally. I, I, I understand it at the same time. I'm like, man, I really hope there's one night that Steph and I could get a good night of sleep in the next 21 years. Yeah. It's kind of, I, I feel like it's a little bit like sometimes, you know me, I'm always late and there'll be times you? I'll be like, oh, no. I know. Shocker. <laughs> Especially compared to you. But I'll be like running across the parking lot and somebody from Lord's parent, a parishioner, somebody, a staff member, somebody will be like, Hey, FB, you in a hurry? Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm going to find you and I'm going to, you're going to get beat up by a priest. That's right. As soon as yeah. I get to this thing I'm late for. It's like, no, I'm sprinting across. Does it look like I'm just taking my time? Um, no, it, yeah, it's been, it's been amazing. And luckily Steph's, you know, we've had just so much support and so many, so many people just um, randomly sending us stuff and, well, you guys had the cutest picture. So I got, I was very blessed. I got to hold baby, baby Gigi. That's right. I don't know why, but I like calling her G squared. I love it. doesn't make any sense. G-G. It, it does. Cool. GG squared. Yeah, I like G-G. it. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I got to hold her. And as a priest, I mean, you're a first time dad, but I see babies a lot, but usually they've been, they're three months old. Right. Something like that. Yeah. And I got to hold baby, baby G squared. I think within the first two weeks. Yeah. It was early. For sure. And I was like, man, she is so small. I know. I was like, it, I didn't know humans. I mean, I know intellectually that humans can be very small, but I just, I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Like, wow. This is a really small human being. Yeah. She's 21 inches, which has her as a proud dad. I'm like, that's a, a yeah. nice height for her, but it's only when you stretch her out. So like for me, I joke, <laughs> like 
when you it's not even a out. football and yeah. she's only seven pounds so it's not yeah. even a foot i'm like holding a nerf ball because she's yeah. always curled up um so it's just so interesting it's it's crazy how small she really is what is a miracle and i <clears throat> one more comment i had was there is a one photo you guys i got a copy of that was of her yawning yeah and that is like the cutest little picture I think I've ever seen in my life. That's right. Just her yawning and her little beanie and like, it was super cute. That's right. And it does make me think of, there's a Janet Smith quote. Janet Smith, many of you might know, Janet Smith is a Catholic uh, professor and she, uh, she was really kind of the biggest voice on why the church is against contraception in the popular world. So she was out there, she had a famous tape back when I was in college that she went out and she kind of was explaining to everybody, like, this is why it makes sense to be against contraception. But on that tape and that talk, and then she did later versions with CDs and now you can download it. Uh, but she has a great line where she says, <clears throat> you know, when a, when a child's born, the universe is forever changed. And, and really when a child is conceived. Yeah. Because something that did not exist has come into existence that wow. will exist forever. Ooh. That's deep. Isn't that amazing? That's and you deep. think of Gianna. Yeah. You know, a month ago, we didn't know who Gianna was. She existed, of course, in, That's in, right. in Steph's womb. Uh, but she will exist forever. Yeah. And that, I mean, talk about something that's mind-blowing. That's, it is crazy. That is a wonderful, beautiful, incredible, just an amazing thing. So. And now it's like evolving. You know, now at first she had like, so I had to, I had to learn. I had to learn so much in this journey, but I like in the first couple of days. So I, apparently it takes like six months for a baby's eyes to start working and connection and whatnot. But okay. first couple of days, her eyes were like crazy eyes. One eyes <laughs> over here, one eyes on the other side. I'm like, uh, crazy babe, eyes. I think we got something going on over here. Like, baby, crazy eyes. That, yeah. I was like, uh, this isn't, I don't know if this is good, but, um, now she's getting to the point with it. It's just how quick things change and progress. But like, her eyes are following and like, I'll walk in the room and she can hear my voice and she'll like slowly turn her head and like start to notice. And it's just, it's amazing how quick things start to change. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, also quick shout out to Chandra. I hope she listens, but I've been meaning to call you and this is a, <laughs> <laughs> I will call you, but you sent me such an amazing gift and Steph, Steph and I want to thank you. So that, yep. was, that really caught me off guard that she sent me that anyways. People are so good. And I are. also, uh, the Lord's Ryan. community has been amazing. Our producer here, Ryan, yes. is about to get married. That's right. Nine days out today. Nine days. Yep. This is the final countdown. In St. Louis. I'm so excited for them. Not St. Louis amazing... Parish, but St. Louis. That's right. Missouri. Missouri. Good yeah. distinction. Um, they are such an amazing couple, and I'm so stoked for them. It's yeah, they're going to awesome. have a great marriage. Uh, so super happy for them. Uh, well, today, let's get to our topic, huh? Let's go for it. Let's go for this it. This is going to be... I'm going to need you. I get opinionated on it. I'm still trying to figure out how to defend myself in it, but I think we're in the rawness of this going to dive into it. So basically what I was, I was thinking about what to talk about today. And there was, there was something that kind of triggered this, but what I, I don't want to talk about the trigger issue so much, but I want to talk about conscience. Okay. And the, the thing that kind of triggered this is, so we're in the thick of, still questions about vaccinations. I don't know if you saw Patrick, but Pope Francis 
uh, I feel like sometimes I say Patrick because I feel like our, our audio audience is with us and I have to say, well, Patrick, what do you think? That's right. But then, yeah. anyway, uh, but uh, I don't know if you heard, but like Pope Francis has come out again and just urged everyone across the world who, who is able to get a vaccine that they really should do that. Um, the bishops of Colorado came out with a statement about conscience. Yeah. And basically saying that the government cannot force you to, to act against your conscience to get a vaccine. Right. And then it seems, and the language here probably matters, and this isn't even the main point I want to get to today, but uh, Cardinal Dolan in New York, who I have a lot of respect for, yep. he has, so in, in Colorado, the, the bishops have had priests kind of say, you can sign a form saying this person wants a religious exemption and objects for religious reasons about getting a vaccine, and priests, you should go ahead and just sign that for anybody who requests it. Yeah. Cardinal Dolan in New York has forbidden that. Oh, okay. And interesting, you know, to see the bishops take different stances on this issue, at least apparently different stances. But the issue I want to get to is, is freedom of religion and freedom of conscience, I think, more importantly. Okay. Yes. I have so, a lot of things brewing in me. as I, Yeah. Um, as I've sat back, obviously my time to reflect in my many hours awake with Gianna and just seeing how this is playing around, playing out not only in the U S but around the world, Australia's crazy right now with their mandates on everything. New Zealand is back in lockdown after their first COVID case in the past six months. Um, and, and how everyone's kind of reacting to it. Yeah. And now with things like that, I've seen with like New York city, you have to have the vaccine before you can go into a restaurant, sporting events. I didn't know they had done that. Yeah. yeah. And gyms, you have to have it. Um, and it's just such a wide, you know, and then you have Tennessee, their governor came out saying that they're going to ban, you can't mandate mask. Um, and it's just all over the place and people are so heated on both sides. Yep. Um, but I, I'll, I mean, I'm going to be totally candid. Like I'm not vaccinated. I, like I, th- I think it's good for us and I'll be candid too. So I, I am vaccinated. Yeah. I got my second shot uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So I, you know, and, and here's my thing, I think, and, and where I just don't like where even like Steph's sister is going to see you. It's now mandatory unless you can fill out the religious exempt and blah, blah, blah. But if yep. people are now changing that, it's almost like you 100% have to get it. Otherwise it'd be impossible to do anything to live. And from my standpoint, where Steph, Steph was, they just came out with this thing saying pregnant women, they're kind of recommending it. Because um, there were when, a lot of questions about that. There was. Yeah. And, and even that, like when they came out with that, they're still saying like within the first trimester, they're not recommending it. They still need um, to do data. And I'm like, well, yeah, you guys have been studying. You haven't even gone through a full pregnancy with your studies. Like right. nine months, you need nine that months. No, that's I'm, a great point. I'm sorry to say like that doesn't add up. Um, I don't know where you're getting that number. But, it's you know arbitrary number that I'm just going <laughs> to throw out there. But my, my issue and one of my doctors had kind of put it out there for us. That, and it's just where it's like, the reason why we haven't was one step was pregnant, which yeah. was fine. And then for me and this, you know, I have not seen one, one way or the other. And they're trying to say it does not affect fertility and all that stuff going into it. We've had enough um, 
close friends that got the shot females that got the shot of missed yeah. their period and random things a lot of sci- scientists or whatever you want to Fauci will say well there's no correlation i've i've come across it too many times that it's just a weird phenomenon uh-huh. um but the other part for me was that a doctor put it to me this way he was like look when you're weighing the vaccine i'm not going to name names of who that doctor is because then i'm sure some people would attack him but he said, for somebody my age, a young adult, yep. when it comes to getting the vaccine, you have to kind of weigh your pros and cons. With the vaccine, you know um, that it's, it's probably going to help you. It's probably a good thing. That's fine. If you don't get the vaccine, right now, what we're seeing is you have a 50-50 chance of being um, getting serious symptoms, being hospitalized. No, being like uh, asymptomatic or symptoms. Okay. You have about a 45% chance of getting cold-like symptoms okay. and a 5% chance of hospitalization. hospitalization. And on the flip side, when you look at the vaccine, short-term studies, it looks fine. And that's great. We have not and do not have long-term effects of this. Like We have no idea what's going to happen. So what are you willing to risk? Are you willing to risk the 5% or, and, and, or are you willing to put into jeopardy some potential, maybe totally unfound fertility issues, health, heart, enlarged yeah. heart, a lot of these things that kind of get brushed aside. Um, so up until this point, I've just been like, well, I just want to wait. And then what throws more wrenches and when it starts to get mandated at every level. And then there was a headline that came out the other day. That was another one for me that it was like young adults are the number skyrocketing and young adults getting hospitalized. Right. And when you read the actual study, it said, it used to be a couple months ago, two out of a hundred thousand young adults ages thirty to thirty-nine would be hospitalized. Now it's two point five out of a hundred thousand. Wow. And I was like, your headline is very misleading. You have yep. these lawsuits in Texas where they're lying about the numbers and in Florida, and they're proving it, but it's kind of getting brushed under the rug. So I just see so much like, I just want to sit back and wait, but I find it very unfair that corporations companies, all this kind of stuff are absolutely mandating it. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. That I, I just feel more confused than ever that I'm like, I'm, I'd rather just not. But here's, yeah, amen. And I think, and th- th- but this is where I want to broaden this discussion a little bit because yes, please. all that stuff is so, I love the way when people reason through their decisions. Yeah. And this is what I want to get to today. That is fundamental to what it means to be a human being is to think through my own decisions and to make a choice. Okay. And this is, this is actually what makes us different from animals. Right. Right. People will say, oh, it's the opposable thumb. No, it's not. <laughs> totally. It's like, come on. That's, I mean, when you really study these things, that's just so unintelligent. It's right. Like, what, what makes us different from animals is our intellect and our will. Okay. Um, but, but the reason I want to make to get to this is wherever you're at out there, and I, I always hope in our podcast, and I think this does happen to a, a certain degree at least is that we get people out there who wouldn't think politically the way that you and I do. Yep. And I hope that's the case. But one of the things I want to say is that if you lean more to the, the, the right or to the left, wherever you're at, every one of us should think that freedom of conscience and freedom of religion, which are intimately tied together are a fundamental human good. Mm-hmm. And this touches so many issues. This is right. This is the masterpiece bakery thing. Jack, I forget his last name. 
That's right. Does does a baker have to if if he has reasoned for his own reasons, if he's come to a place where his moral conscience tells him that it is wrong for him to do this, can the government force him to do it anyways? And, and that was the case. That's out of, out of Colorado, right? With yeah. the cake where he didn't want to do the gay marriage pride flag. Yeah, they yeah. did like a gay marriage originally, and then honestly, the left. Uh, and and I, I should be more precise. I don't think it's just the left. Uh, the left has become illiberal on this yeah. word, right? Liber in Latin means free. Yep. And the left has become illiberal on this issue. Yep. Is that if you don't think the way we think, we will come after you. Canceled. And so he, so yeah, yeah exactly. So um, I always forget his name. It's Jack something or other, but I think he's been absolutely heroic in standing up to an issue that for an issue that really matters. But, but you what happened was they came after him for the gay, not making a gay marriage cake. Yep. Well, then every, he won the case, went all the way to the Supreme Court. He won, but it was a very narrow decision at the Supreme Court that didn't really answer the question and just it made it as narrow a decision as possible. Yep. So then they just kept coming after him. And now they're like, he's in court still. And they came yeah. after him with like, okay, well, how about a transgender cake? That's right. That was I want you to point. bank a, a pink cake on the inside. And underneath this, underneath vaccines, underneath uh, these questions about bakers and photographers, there's a question about what is conscience and why does it matter? Yeah. And so that, that's what I want to get to today. And I do want to give a, um, a book recommendation. One of the best books I have read on, it was on, it's on how does uh, gay marriage and religious liberty, how do those things interact in our country? And so this is a book called Debating Religious Liberty and Discrimination. And it's by, it's a debate in written form. Yep. And so it's in front of me here. Um, and so uh, Ryan Anderson and Sharif Gurgis, who are two devout Catholics, but, but very importantly, they're super rational, intelligent, thoughtful Catholics. Yeah. Um, and so they were one team. So they kind of had two versus a different guy. And then John Corvino who's also very intelligent, who I think is very wrong. But I love this. They did, they, they did a debate. And so John Corvino writes a chapter. Then Ryan Anderson and Shreve Gurgis write a chapter in response, and they go back and forth. Yep. And so each chapter is kind of a, this debate in written form. It's kind of nice because it takes some of the emotion out of it, and it's, and it's inviting people to think about the issue. But anyway, they, they just do a phenomenal job in this book of talking about why does this matter? Yeah. Why does, how do we, how do we hold in tension the goods of people, people who feel like they're, they've been wronged, but also right. People who feel like they have the, they need the freedom to choose what is right for their own life. Yeah. Which again, like this is a vaccine. Yeah. So on one side, people are saying, Hey, if you don't get vaccinated, you're doing harm to our culture. You're, you're going to cause damage to others. Yep. And the other good on the other side is people are saying, Hey, I have, I have, to, I have to think through this myself. This is my decision. It's not yours. Yeah. And we need freedom in our country to make decisions. And that's right. And, and where that line falls is an unbelievably important question in our culture. And I think that's where a lot of this is coming at right now. Yeah. I, yeah, there's so much to go on that with. Um, yeah. I think for me too, I think what is frustrating is a lot of these are being forced on us 
Well, feel, this is my perspective, right? So again, um, forced on us with these mandatory vaccines, a, a lot of these, you're losing, unless you agree with the powerful force, which may not be the majority, it could be the minority, but it's the loudest voice as far as, you know, where cancel culture is and all that kind of stuff. You can't even, I want to live in a society where if I don't want to bake that cake, go down the street and there's somebody else that's going to yeah. bake that cake. And if I'm smart and you, you're a businessman or whatever, you will yeah. be the guy that makes that damn cake. Sure. I'll be the one that's going to make whatever cake you want. I don't yeah. really care. But for the man that wants to stand up and say, look, I don't believe in that. I don't want to do it. It shouldn't be the end of his road. Like he should not yeah. have to close his business because of that. Um, that's the America that I would want to live in. Yeah. And I think what's frustrating for me on things like the vaccine, where it's like, okay, you know, um, and even, even Amy Coney Barrett came yeah. out and made her verdict the other day for Indiana University. There's no longer, you, it is, you can mandate the vaccine. Yep. And I don't, she didn't really give much detail into her decision, any of that kind of stuff. Um, but being forced into a, a decision where I would argue, especially if Biden is going to come out and say this, like, dude, homeboy, you're done making kids. Yep. You're done. Like, none of this really applies to you. And at the end of the day, the only way we'll ever know is 20 years from now, what has happened to my body yeah. versus this immediate impact. And where I think I agree with Shapiro and a lot of this stuff is like, he is vaccinated. And he said, like, if we really think the vaccine does what it's supposed to, why do you care yeah. about the other stuff? I don't know. It's but very- I wanna get, But I want to hang on the, the, the question of um, conscience, though. And I love yeah. what you said, because like, saying that's a great point of like, hey, if you don't want to buy a cake here, there's plenty of other places. That's right. And- in this book, and I won't reference it too much, but I think this is helpful for us who aren't, I'm not a law expert. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Anderson really is. Uh, and they studied under Robbie George, who's again, maybe the, the most prominent thinker on constitutional law in the United States, arguably. Yeah. Um, but one of the, one of the issues that comes up with this is the question you're raising. And so, so traditionally, and I learned about this, this book a couple of years ago, there's in, in jurisprudence in the United States, there's this thing called public accommodation. So, so let's just play devil's advocate on the other side of the fence, right? What if you have, we go back to the 1960s and you have schools that are saying, Hey, my conscience tells me that we're going to separate white people and black people. And we're not going to allow black kids to come into our school. And I think, and as I think, it's a helpful thing to think of where the the shoes on the other foot. Totally right. And so the the reason, right, the, the, there is a limit to conscience. The tough part is always where does that fall, right? And so if a, if a school came out and said, "Hey, we've reasoned through this, we've thought about this morally, and we've come down to a place of we just can't, we can't allow black kids in our school," any person who's rational would say. Well, that's totally wrong. Like, and that there is a point, there is a point where the government should come in and the law should come in and say, no, like you're going to, you're going to allow your school is going to be integrated. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the rub on these things. And I think it's helpful for us when you're on one side of an argument, what's the other side and, and what's the <laughs> principle they're following? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's a, you kind of stumped me on that to a degree, but I think at some point I would have to cling on to like the invisible hand approach of like, um, 
if that's the case, you have the freedom. It's just the same thing right now with like Catholic schools and wearing masks. Yeah. Like at what point can the government come in and say like, look, we're paying for the education. This isn't taxpayer dollars, blah, blah, blah. We want to have our school without masks. We don't, right. where is the safe spot to go do that? And at some point, the economy will answer and say like, okay, if there is a school really trying to segregate out white yeah. and black kids, enough people come out and all of a sudden they bleed it dry and it dies out yep. as opposed to the government coming in and saying, nope, absolutely not. You can't do that. And you remove some sort of like freedom in that decision. I yeah. wholeheartedly think it's absolutely absurd to ever, that it was ever even an option to segregate schools. I'm not saying that, but I think I, of course you're it's, kind of, it's kind of like though, and I've had to argue this with Steph, I have zero desire for an AR-15. None. Right. Guns, me, all me the either. above. I, I don't want a gun in my house. I care less. But again, this is where another, I often cite Shapiro because I listen to him a lot and it's very, <laughs> at this point, obvious. But he makes the argument of like the minute you start, it's not about the AR-15, but the yeah. minute you remove and allow the government to take one ounce of anything, you've now opened the floodgates to a whole other bag of worms. Yeah. Under no circumstance. So I think anybody should walk, have an AR-15 in their and for what in their trunk? Like, why in the world is that necessary? But when you start to rem remove some of those religious liberties or not really freedom freedoms, it now starts to open up the floodgates. So a lot of issues that we're starting to see now play out that 20 years ago, everyone probably was like, ah, oh, it's not going to happen. And now yeah. it is even in the last six months. I mean, you look at Ryan Anderson's book here. I, I bet when he wrote that, he didn't think it'd be impossible to find his book on Amazon. Yeah. So he had, so he has his, his book on transgenderism pulled. Yeah. Um, but he makes a really interesting point in this book, going back to some of these things. The way this, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think there's ever a perfect answer in this world. Totally. And I think this is part of the key to this kind of question is that uh, human beings can only give, uh, we can't guarantee everything is going to always be right. We can't right. do it. We want to. We want right. to say we've got the answer. But one of the, part of this, and the way the US, I think, wisely with lots of mistakes along the way. Totally. What it came to with, with discrimination is it had a very low bar for, for these kinds of things. And, and it's called public accommodation. And basically what that means is uh, you really can't discriminate in things that are necessary as public goods for everyone. So, so like for instance, John Corvino in this book, and I'm going to butcher all this, but he argues that, hey, you know what? Our taxes pay, you know, for, for Masterpiece Bakery, our taxes pay for your vote and the sidewalk that's in front of your, your shop and just the, the conditions that make business possible in the United States. So therefore, you can't discriminate against anybody, right? Like, they, like we paid for this, even if you're a private thing. Um, and so... What, what jurisprudence in the history of the United States has generally said is that they, they say, okay, if you're like a grocery store or a gas station, you basically can't discriminate on anything. Okay. And what's happened with the LGBTQ plus thing is they've pushed that to much broader areas of life. And yep. people like Ryan Anderson, I think this makes perfect sense. They've, they've really pushed back against that. And like, like you said, hey, this isn't a life or death issue for this person. There's a thousand bakeries. Yeah. But what you're doing now, and this is where I think, again, we meet this tension, is I think the LGBTQ community, and I actually just think the far left in this country, they have become illiberal. 
Meaning no one's allowed to think differently from me. And right. if you think differently from me, we're going to come after you. That's right. And I think that's a fundamental violation, not just of religious principles. And one thing I wanted to say today about this is I don't like in our country when we talk about religious freedom sometimes. I believe in religious freedom 100%. But sometimes we, the way it comes across, and this might be an issue where the media just says things a certain way, but sometimes it just feels like, hey, we don't have a good argument, but I'm religious. Right. So, right. So you, so you can't do anything. And I hate the way that comes across. It, that's not the, and all, in all these cases, like the, the case for one man, one woman in marriage is unbelievably more intelligent than the opposite position. But the, but the way that the left has been going after people and the power they seem to have in this country sometimes is, uh, force a lot of people to say, Hey, well, we're going to do religious liberty. And so I, I want to get to like what conscience is. So, let, so I don't know if you want to say anything else on that. No. But, okay. Well, there you go. So question for you. So what is conscience? I mean, I think that's Did you what, love it when I ask these questions. This it, isn't it is, but this is, I think, you know, I, I came in when you said with the topic and looking at some of these books, I'm like, if I was at the bookstore or an audio book, more realistically in mind, when, I, yeah. when I'm looking at some of these ones that are, you know, about conscious, I don't really, I wouldn't pick that because I, I feel like that's a pretty, it's a head over, over my head. I don't know what yeah. I'm about to read. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where it's like in the beginning, I went off on a soapbox of my like spewing of um, frustrations with society right now, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm no, I, you on that. But, but the thing is, is like, but it wasn't, that was not unrelated. The stuff you're talking about is exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. And so conscience, and here I'm going to read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, so this is Catechism Paragraph 1778. It says, Conscience is a judgment of reason, whereby the human person recognizes the moral quality of a concrete act. And that's not helpful. Let me read it again, though, slowly. Yeah. Patrick's looking at me like, what in the H-E double hockey sticks yeah. is wrong with you? Yep. So moral conscience is a judgment of reason. So a judgment of reason means reason, right? I've thought through something. Yep. And a judgment means I made a decision. Okay. So, so that's, so think about that's a vaccine. Right. I've thought through, here are the risks. Here are the moral principles. Here are these different, different kind of things that go into this decision. I've thought through it. And I've made a judgment, which means a decision. Yeah. So moral conscience, I'm sorry, conscience is a judgment of reason. So whereby the human person recognizes the moral quality of a concrete act. And that could be something you're going to perform. Uh, you um, have performed in the past or something you're doing right in that moment. So conscience, right? You think of Jiminy Cricket. Do you remember Pinocchio? Yeah. Yeah. And he has that song, let conscience be your guide. Yep. So basically what conscience is, conscience is a, is a, a moral sense inside of you that helps you know how to decide things. Yep. And one more line from the catechism. And I love this. So this is, and, and, and this touches so many things that you and I have talked about on this, on this show, this podcast, but this is so important. Um, so catechism 1776. Deep within his conscience, and, and it's, by the way, I should say this, 
we oftentimes confuse the words conscience and conscious. So one has an N in it. We're talking about the one that has an N in it. Conscience is this moral judgment, this moral sense inside of you. It's like a moral compass that helps you decide what's right and what's wrong. Yep. And it's that voice in your ear. You know, when you're going to do something bad, that's what your conscience is. There's that voice in your ear that says, don't do it. That's right. I know you, I know you want to sleep with your girlfriend, but don't do it. That's right. That's your conscience. Okay. Conscious, being conscious means self-awareness. Okay. So, uh, so a tree does not have consciousness. A dog does. A dog has a sense of its, it knows it's, it exists. Yep. You and I, I'm conscious of things. I'm aware of things. I'm aware of my own existence, but that's different from conscience, which is my moral kind of compass. Okay. So this last quote, 1776. Deep within his conscience, man discovers a law which is which he has not laid upon himself, but he must obey. This is at the heart of the Western worldview of all reality, is that there's a law about how the world works that I didn't make up. Right. I didn't come up with this. And the left has kind of said everything's just made up, which yeah. is Nietzsche. Yep. But but Western civilization is built on the idea of like, there is a right and there's a wrong. And guess what? I didn't make it up. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. So that's what conscience is. And I have one last, and, this, and I'll, I'll stop going on my tangent here, but one last thing. Why does this matter? And, what's, and so when we debate and we say, hey, that's great that you have this conscience inside of you. Like, you're doing harm to people. You got to get vaccinated because you're going to harm people. You know what? You're, it's great your conscience tells you that the races are different, but you've segregated schools. So we've got to come, like... What actually is good about conscience? And obviously that latter example is a bad example because it's objectively wrong. So this is from, the, from Ryan Anderson and Sharif Gurgis. And they say, the state should not do for individuals and communities what they can do well enough on their own initiative. And this is the key line. For self-determination is itself a good to be respected. Start with the basic idea that the state's most basic duty is to empower and not encumber people's pursuit of basic goods. That means leaving us free to pursue each of the basic goods adequately. That is better than deficiently. deficiently. But here's, here's the basic point they want to get at. Is at the heart of what it means to be a human being. And, the, and the, one of the reasons that the things that all of us know is good is that the decisions I make in my life make me who I am. Am. Right. And at the heart of what it means that I am Brian Larkin is that I have chosen certain things. Right. Not, and, and the government, for the government to take that away and to say, and, and this is a danger right now. Lots of books have been written about this, right? One of them, like Brave New World, I think of. We're in danger of saying, let's just leave everything to the experts. Yep. And you don't have to decide for your own. You don't have to reason morally and think through your life and saying, how am I, am I going to go left or right? Yep. Am I to stand up for this or am I just to not? And, and so, so the basic argument for conscience and why do we need to respect it is because if you don't follow your conscience, if you're not free to make your own decisions to rationally think through, is this right? Is this wrong? Does this matter? Does it not matter? If the government takes that if you outsource that to the government, yep. you will never be a full human being. That's right. And I think that is an incredibly compelling thing. So here's, here's okay. So all that kind of makes sense. And help me 
if I'm not understanding this correctly, but I think the break in the chain for me and what, re- what you just said that resonated for me is that government should be able to empower yep. the person and their conscious decisions. Yes. The garbage that's coming out scientifically on doesn't matter what you mm-hmm. talk about, the vaccine, the transgender in sports, the this, the that, the blah, blah, blah. And I think it showed up yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, but I think the most powerful thing that I've seen in a very long time uh-huh. was when the spokesperson for the Taliban was asked about free speech in Afghanistan. I haven't seen this. And his response, without directly translating this, because I have no idea what he actually said, but right. what it was summed up to was you're, he was basically like, really? You're going to ask me about free speech? When you should turn around and ask Facebook and all the big tech about the issues in America and free speech. Yeah. And home run. He absolutely yeah. crushed that. I mean, Taliban is messed up in all sorts of ways. All the proper caveats. All the proper everything. No, no endorsement of the, of the Taliban. On- but... But he totally threw it right back in the face. And what you see when you see anything, nobody, you get censored on every ounce of it. The empowerment piece, everyone wants to say, like, every time I get on anything, social media, there's a promotion about the true COVID response and the true answers and this and that. But like, the minute somebody comes out and says something, there was that doctor out of wherever he was, Indiana or something like that, um, who came out talking about masks and then Matt Walsh and all these videos start coming down. Mm-hmm. Like I am no longer allowed to use my own conscious, but through empowerment and instead of just being told what to do. Yep. And there's a huge break in that system that now creates doubt and this pushback. And I am not, I, and Stefan would say the same thing. Like when, especially when it comes to vaccine, I, I was the first one to bring my dad there. I thought he was in a place he needed it. He got the vaccine. I am not anti-vax by any means. Yeah. But I just want to be able to make my own decision and take time to get there. Yep. Like I'm not there yet. So now though, when I'm being told like I have to get this, you know, um, it just it creates this doubt and this and this uh empowerment piece that I I can't buy into. Yeah. And therefore, not only that, I I turn into a robot, but then also I have resentment. And then now the non-logical piece of my brain is I'm going to push back just because I, I need to, right. I want to, I have resentment towards every ounce of whatever we're talking about. And I'm going to make a stupid decision yeah. just out of spite. Yeah. And one of the, and I do think, you know, I don't, there's, there's not a clear answer in my mind to exactly where the lines fall, because I think yeah. in every generation, there's always going to be new issues. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that, that us as Americans and just human beings we and in the church, brothers and sisters, we have got to stop caricaturing the other side. Yeah, because I think in every age, there's tough questions. Yep, and we do, we don't we. Can't, I think one of the dangers of again the Orthodox Catholic community is that we have made orthodoxy cheap. Yeah, where it's like I'm Orthodox, and everyone describes themselves as Orthodox in my circles these days, and they it's just a way of patting themselves on the back. And I'm like, the longer I study history and theology. Orthodoxy is dynamic and difficult, and it is not that simple. Yep. There are certain things that are defined, of course. You know, yes, there is a Trinity. Yes, Jesus has two natures. Yes, he died on a Friday. Yes, he rose from the dead. But people just love to claim, I'm Orthodox, therefore you're wrong, and I don't have to listen to you. Right. And I think with this issue, right, like, there are limits to your conscience, right? Like, like we as a society, we put limits on your conscience. You cannot say, hey, you know what? Um... I have, my conscience says it's totally fine for me to drive 200 miles an hour 
on a side street. We, we have no problem as a country saying, and, as, and we shouldn't, as a society saying there are limits to that. But I think it's so important right now in all these debates we're having to see the proper tensions. Yep. There is a place where the government has rightful authority to place restrictions on people's conscience and to say, this is out of bounds. Yeah. Right. And, <clears throat> but I think the thing is, is that we, we're, we live in this time where the, the breakdown of moral reasoning has happened. And so what happens is we no longer, we don't rationally talk through these things. We outsource our decisions to the experts. Yeah. But what we're learning, and I think, and I think this is, I love the points you've made, Patrick. It's like, one of the things that I think people on the right have pointed out is that just because you're a scientist and you're really smart in medicine doesn't mean that you're not susceptible to the same temptations everyone else is. That's right. And Pope Benedict, I, I love that man. As you know, he, um, he would talk about, you know, long before any of the questions about vaccines or anything, he would talk about how uh, modern kind of Western Europe and the, just the West in general had thought that technology could replace moral reasoning. Then we dropped in more, then we dropped an atomic bomb on Japan. Yeah. Uh, and previous to that, right. We, we had engaged in the two greatest wars in the history of the world. And we, we should have learned and we still haven't that just being smart at science doesn't make us moral. That's right. And that, like the question, that's a whole other podcast we could do. The question of like, was it moral to drop atomic bombs on Japan? That's a really tricky issue. Totally. And I, I would argue that it was not, but that's a whole nother podcast. But, but the point here, right, is that we don't get to escape using our conscience and our thoughtful reasoning through issues to try to pursue what is the best way for us to live. I think you said something right there too that also has been bugging me. As I've said before, I try to do what I can when it comes to uh, advocacy work for eating disorders and yep. uh, mental health. And when you say that about scientists, you know, I think trying to find an unbiased and unbiased doctor in the medical field right now. It doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Yeah. There's no and such, none of us are unbiased. It's just, it's impossible. I, I am a, a part of a, a webinar coming up. Um, and the whole topic was eating disorders and males. Right. Yep. But then they partnered me with, and I'm, I'm friends with them and, and him and I have actually had a very good conversations. Um, about this topic because he's a transgender male. So he was assigned male at birth. I've had to learn all these acronyms and I joke about yeah. it on my calls all the time. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm saying. I've, I've honestly had to say to him, look, forgive me. I've, I'm going to butcher this, but I just don't know. I don't know what you want me to refer to you as, but he was, he was a male now transitioning to a female and his argument on this call, he's like, look, I feel like I'm on the wrong call because this is about males. I'm not a male. And I'm like, what? Well, you are not, I, okay. Um, but, <laughs> and how do you, and how do you be compassionate, how, but also be truthful and honest? Well, That's and this is where question. we got to a point on the yeah. call where I was like, now the presentation has turned into a scientific equation of how to address males, but then also transitioning males and all this stuff that I got, I got to a point the other day where I was on this call and I was like, Dude, I can't take this anymore. Like we have to get to a point where we can have different seminars on how to address a male and how to address somebody that's trans 
Right. Like otherwise, when you encompass all this, and this is where I'm going with it. The problem I have now in the scientific community is a lot of people have gotten into the scientific community because they have a agenda, but then they're going to go study and push. And especially in mental health right now, if I came out and said that I'm a Catholic male that doesn't promote trans or any of that guy, I love you. I support you. I'm friends with this guy. Like we've had great conversations, but I'm not going to agree with it. I will. I am absolutely canceled. There's yep. no doubt about it. So now there's no sin. My argument on this call was if we go in there and if every presentation, if I'm a male, a true male, self-identifying male, and all of a sudden I go to this presentation that has to do with all this trans talk because we're trying to encompass so much vernacular in one presentation, right. I'm out. And right. the only person that suffers is that male that has an eating disorder because yep. he's like, I don't want to identify with any of this stuff. Yeah, And unfortunately, when it comes to the science and all this kind of stuff, it reminds me too, when you're saying this, like, did this start to break down when we moved away from classical education into this Dewey guy that came in? Yeah, with modern education. And really started to break down though, where your conscious isn't really thinking. You're not rationally coming to, I'm sure if I sat down with somebody who was very well-versed and vaccines or anything political right now, I'd get destroyed. Yeah. Because I don't really take the time to actually plot out A A through Z on how I'm getting there rationally. Right. And I think I do, but then I'm going to get destroyed. You threw in this curveball of segregation in school and now my old, you know, I crumble, which is fine. But removing that piece and how to critically think and come to a decision, yep. which I feel like is most education today from medical school to any of that kind of stuff, we're just, just tell me what to do. Right. Tell me where to go. But then now I think where you're starting to see, and I think you're starting to see it with the trans athletes in women's sports, that's now all of a sudden, where's the women's rights? Yeah. Now we're starting to double up on ourselves in so many different facets that, again, the government came in and is starting to kind of push in certain areas that we won't know for 20 years that it's going to completely backfire. Yeah. And I think, I don't know the whole history of how we got where we're at, but I do think. I think you're right, though. Satan. We can, well, that's absolutely true. But I think we got, we got Pope John Paul II would talk about this, and he wrote an encyclical called Fides et Ratio, which means faith and reason. And he talks about how when we lose faith, reason actually loses itself. And I think we've seen this, and people are pointing this out, is that a lot of the, the hard sciences, they've, they've stopped asking questions about why or or meaningfulness yep. and truth they, they they've they've despaired in no knowledge of like that we can really answer the question what is life about yep and that's the hard part for me with that is that people will just say that's so authoritarian that you think you can tell people what life is about the problem is is everyone assumes they know what life is about right and i just think it's a feigned ignorance sometimes and so people on the left tend to think, well, life is about me doing what I want to do. Right. You know? <laughs> and they assume that and it gets worked in the argument that way. But uh, regardless, I think what happened with a lot of the hard sciences is we despaired. And it's not the proper realm of the hard sciences to answer this question, but they despaired that we could know right and wrong or that we could know what meaning is. Right. And they, they reduced knowledge to functionalism. That's right. And so it's, I can't tell you if you should go there or not, but I can just tell you how to get there. Yep. And we've removed that. It used to be in the United States that all education 
incorporated a sense of virtue. And virtue is part of education. And it's not now. Uh, and I think, and so, but Pope Benedict, one of the things he says is that the church, the church traditionally, not just now, but in all of history, the church has shown itself to be the savior of rational thought. And so you have these people who are geniuses in a certain sense who think that, that nature doesn't matter. And so there's no such thing as male or female. Right. Which is completely insane. Right. But, but when we stop opening our rationality to a broader horizon, it becomes narrow and it can run off the rails. And, and I just think we see that. So I think in the church though, there's a, we've imbibed that. And this is maybe a good, a good thing for me to just say today is uh, <clears throat> Aquinas, and I've said this on the podcast before, St. Thomas says that there, there is a, the, the kind of main theme today, right, has been that there is something sacred about a human being's responsibility and ability itself to rationally think through issues and make decisions. Mm-hmm. The decisions you make affect the world around you, but, the, but more profoundly, in a lot of ways, they affect you. Yep. Right? Like, uh, when, when you decide what you're going to study, yeah. When you decide, you know, like, um, what am I going to live my life for? Mm-hmm. These things make you into the man or the woman you're, you are today. And that's sacred. Yep. And, and I, th- I think that one of the basic principles should be that higher institutions, and this, this is one thing, it's related to a principle in Catholic social thought called, called subsidiarity. And subsidiarity says that anything that can be done at the lowest level should be done at the lowest level. Okay. And it should only move up a level if it's absolutely necessary. Got it. Yeah. And so, so a government, a national government shouldn't be deciding, um, I don't know, traffic, like how far apart, like how, let's say how big parking sp- spaces are in this part of the country. Yeah. Unless it has to. Right. And so, so level decisions should be made at the lowest possible level. And I think that's a really good principle of there's a, there's a desire and we can see this on the left there's a desire to control the way everyone thinks. And when that happens, the danger is that all of us can be wrong. Right. Every one of us can be wrong. And when you tell a certain percentage of the population, in this case, a very large percentage of the population, that they're not allowed to speak or think. Yeah. That's a, that's a really bad thing. Totally. But I do want to say for the, most of us probably listen to this podcast, um, within reason, within limits, we need to be open to dialogue with others too. Totally. Right? Yeah. And so like there's certain issues and this, this is always where the rubber hits the road. There are defined issues. There are principles. And again, St. Thomas would say there are, there are baseline principles of moral reasoning that are just indisputable. The dignity of the human person's one. If someone tries to argue me with me about like people don't have dignity, well, that's just not a conversation worth having. Cause that's, right. that's, that's not an area that's open vaccines. I think it's pretty open. Yeah. I don't think anybody has all the answers. And you know, I usually, people don't usually talk to me about it, but secondhand, there's all these people in the church who I, I just think they act like there's no questions on either way, you know, whether they're against the vaccine and getting it or they're for it. Yep. They, they, it's, it blows my mind where I'm like, I don't know everything, but I don't think I'm stupid. And I can see that there are good points 
that people make on both sides of this. And I don't think it's hundred percent clear at all. And that's that in and of itself is a reason why I just want time to think and reason yeah. for myself and see what comes out. Because the only thing I have noted, well, <laughs> things have changed so much over the last two years, year and a half, whatever it is, Yeah, that to, to be so set in stone on one side or be forced into one answer just doesn't seem fair to me yeah. whatsoever, which I don't even really want to go there, but that's where like when I saw, you know, the Archdiocese of Lexington came out mandating the vaccine for all its Archdiocesan employees. I thought the church would, you know, I've, I've kind of joked with Seth. I'm like, man, I, you know, I left commercial real estate and I've just seen so many of my friends in every possible sector of the economy being forced yeah. with these mandates. I was like, well, at least, at least I'm with the church, you know, like right. they won't force it. And now I'm seeing it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like what in the world? Like, how is this happening? Um, and I, I totally want to dive in more on the science, but I think the problem with the left too, the last point I is it's always kind of like tell you what to do, but then they do another thing. Like you see mask or, mask or mandatory for every single person, unless you go to Obama's birthday party with yeah. a ton of people and yeah. no mask, by the way, no cameras because we don't want this, but, but then photos get leaked and you're like, wait a second, my preschooler has to wear a mask to school yet. No one at your party is. Yeah. So that's where it just becomes tongue in cheek and you don't know who to trust. The empowerment piece, the takeaway for me on this one is the empowerment piece is broken down yeah. from the government and science. And no matter where you look, you can find if you you can find a study to prove whatever you want. Doesn't matter who right. backed it, who's paying for it, where is this coming from? There is no true, like authentic science. Um, so then how am I clear to make a free choice? You're not even giving me that chance. And then now I'm being forced to take something that I may or may not want to take or do or support or whatever your argument is in society. It's like, it doesn't matter what you're talking about right now. It's the same stuff that we're losing the ability to critically think. And that's, and that's where I think we just, the rhetoric around so many of these issues, this is just yeah. one of many, but we got to tone down the rhetoric with people. Totally. It's like, stop demonizing the other side. Um, I'll leave with this point because we're, we're at time. But in that same book, and I just, I, you know, Ryan Anderson will never know who I am, but him and Shreve Gurgis, just super impressed by those guys. One of the points they make in their book on uh, debating religious freedom and discrimination is they talk about something in law that's called the Puritan mistake or the Puritan fallacy, I forget. But basically what it says is, so the Puritans were in England and they fled to the colonies because they wanted religious freedom. Right. And so they, they, they fled England and they, they came to the United States and they're like, now we're free to practice our religion. And the first thing they did in the United States is they banished and forbid all other religions. <laughs> totally. And, yeah. and I guess in like legal circles, this is called like the Puritan mistake or Puritan fallacy. And they applied it to gay marriage is they said, you know, gay marriages came out and they said, just let us be who we want to be. We want freedom. We want to have gay marriage. And then when they, when they went over the United States and they won the Obergefell case, they're saying, and now anyone who thinks differently from us, we will persecute and we will put you in prison and we will destroy your life if That's you do right. not think. And they're saying, this is just the Puritan mistake all over again. Yep. And I think there's some wisdom there. Is I think 
we all of us need to, truth is not something that we just figured out once for all. It's a constant dialogue in every generation and in every age that we have to be in dialogue and we have to repossess the truth by submitting to it, by thinking carefully, by loving other people and being having yeah. honest dialogue. But it's way easier just to say, I know everything. You're wrong. I'm in power now, so obey. That's right. And that's the, I mean, you've said this a million times, but like every argument you go into should be about sharpening your sword, yeah. right? Like, but when we create this environment where there's no safe space to have an art, like thoughtful discussion yeah. and hear each other out and kind of be like, damn, that's a good point. Like, I, I will forever die on the self-defense of where I stood on the topic of abortion when I was younger yeah. because I didn't know better. But if I would have been crucified on that cross, now I'm just going to fight you to fight you. Yeah. And it's not about the argument. And, and we, right now we're, yeah. it's too dangerous to and we step didn't, into that. We didn't get to this. And this is, it's so funny. It's always I'm like, well, maybe the most important point after we should have been done five minutes ago. But the catechism says, so you have to follow your conscience. So that you're a great example of this. So if your conscience says abortion is important and I'm going to, I'm going to fight for it. The, the catechism teaches you have to follow your conscience. You can't violate it. But there's a huge caveat to this. And the caveat is, is that all of us have a, have a very radical obligation in our lives to form our conscience according to the truth. And what so many people do is they, they, they don't develop their conscience. Yep. And as Christians, we have an obligation to form our conscience according to the teachings of Jesus Christ, because he is the truth. Yeah. And to, and to work to understand the moral reasoning that God has given us and that the church is the guardian of. Um, that would be my issue. Gosh, going back to it. If the Archdiocese of Denver mm -hmm. came out and said it's mandatory, based on what? Right? right. Like, like that's where it's, that's my pushback when I hear that totally to understand the truth, but there is no truth in the catechism about the vaccine. Yeah, but that's, and, and, and I agree with you. And so the, it's important to know the distinction that, so like the, the diocese of Lexington or whatever it was that yeah. did that, that's not a Catholic teaching. That's a practice. That's actually an act of conscience by the heads of that diocese, by the bishop and other people where they're taking principles and they've thought through them and they say, I think this is how it applies. Yeah. But that's not Catholic teaching. Right. The principles are. Right, so so you're right. The the Catholic Church does not have a teaching on the coronavirus vaccine. Right. It has it has people who have looked at it and said, given the principles that we have around uh, bioethics, around um, participation in evil, for instance, we can look at those and say with great confidence, because of the principles, it's safe to get the vaccine. It's very similar to about. I mean, we got to end. I could go yeah, on forever. This. I know. But it's similar to like an annulment. In an annulment, the church says, hey, here's the principles Jesus Christ gave us. And we have principles about marriage is indissoluble, but there are certain conditions that, that have to be fulfilled for a marriage to be real. So when an annulment happens, the church looks at the evidence and they take these principles and they say, given these principles, we look at the evidence you've provided and we say, it's pretty clear this was not a marriage. Right. And what that is, so it's not, it's not like a Catholic dogma all of a sudden that you never had a marriage. It's a Catholic dogma of the principles, or at least a doctrine. Yep. And what happened was a human being in an office somewhere looked at those principles and said, applying them to this case, 
we can come to this conclusion. Right. That right there is an act of moral reasoning, and that belongs to every human being. Right. A scientist can't do that better than you, by the way. A government, a politician cannot do that better than you. All of us have an obligation to form our conscience and to think dif- on difficult issues, to think hard and long and make decisions. Yep. And that's at the very dignity of what it means to be a human being. So if you're leaving today and you're like more confused than ever, that might actually be good. Yeah. That might be good. I am. <laughs> yeah. Right. That might actually be good. But I do want to encourage you out there. Like there is no shortcut to Christian maturity. Right. Like you to become the, the man or the woman God created you to be, you've got to make tough decisions. You've got to think you have got to educate yourself on what the church teaches and what the church does not teach. What maybe is just somebody who has strong opinions at your church is touting as this is clearly the best way. The only way that you can grow in maturity is you got to, you got to learn your faith. You've got to learn how to think on hard things, make tough decisions. You've got to educate yourself about what does God teach about this? And that's called maturity and there are no shortcuts. Right. So much more to that. Okay. Great stuff today. <laughs> uh, hashtag Ryan Anderson and Sharif Gurgis. Thank you to those guys for their contribution to today's conversation. Uh, God bless you all. We're praying for you. Patrick, we're uh, praying that you uh, heal very quickly, but I think it's going great. It is. I feel like you're close. Bouncing back. I'll give a, no, never mind. Anyways, thank you. (laughs) Okay. See you next time, everybody.